This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to be in church this morning. I, um, I'm always in awe of the story of Jesus. And I pray that for all of us, that the story of Jesus never becomes old, that it never becomes something that we grow accustomed to and apathetic about. My hope for all of us in this season and in this series, as we talk about, we look at the stories of Jesus, that we be reawakened once again to the importance of Jesus in our own lives. Not just Jesus as a historical figure, although we know he was, but Jesus as our personal Savior. Uh, Today we're going to look at a story found in uh, Luke's gospel. It's the story of Jesus healing the man or cleansing the man with leprosy. And this was a really important story in the gospels. In fact, it is found in Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 5, and Mark chapter 1. So this tells you that the story actually had a great impact on the disciples who watched it happen firsthand. They didn't just write it down once, they wrote it down three times. And um, this happens at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. So Jesus cleanses this leper right at the beginning of his ministry, which is important for us to understand because you know that the, the, the man, and we're going to see this in a moment, who came to Jesus, came to Jesus with no assurances. It's not like he could be like, hey, Jesus, I know that you have this really amazing leprosy um, ministry. Uh, There's no other account before this time of Jesus cleansing leprosy, healing leprosy. Uh, So the faith of this man is to be understood from the beginning. Um, Let's read the scripture found in Luke chapter 5. It says, verse 12, it says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay, so this is um, an interesting scripture. It's the first time, like I said before, that we encounter leprosy. Um, Not many people get leprosy anymore. It's not like uh, you ask your friend how you're feeling. Well, I've got a little bit of leprosy. Uh, This is not something that we struggle with. And so because of that, we often uh, read it like, we don't really read it. We just say leprosy. That would have been terrible. And I promised myself that I wasn't going to get gross and medical and technical on you this morning. But we are going to talk about leprosy for a few minutes. Uh, in Jesus' day, the lepers were called the walking dead. They were basically, it was a death sentence for you if you got leprosy. In fact, your family would often throw you a funeral when you got diagnosed. Except for the fact that you were going to live between 9 and 33 years. Uh, so when you got diagnosed, from the time of diagnosis, you had between 9 and 30, let's say 30, give or take, a few years. But your family, upon hearing about your leprosy diagnosis, would say, that's it. We'll throw the, we'll throw the funeral for you. And there were all kinds of funerals in the first century. 
for people who that would be who would become part of the Walking Dead. Now, it was partly because leprosy was very, very contagious. You couldn't come within six feet of somebody with leprosy. If this sounds familiar, just pretend it doesn't. Uh, and um, it, it, you had to, if you were a leper, you would walk around, um, say you had to go somewhere close to people, and you'd have to shout at your arrival, unclean, unclean, so that people would know you were coming. The problem with leprosy, though, is that people actually knew you were coming because it's a disease that you would smell. Um, so this is not junior high smell. If you have a junior high, think of that smell times a thousand. And you could smell people coming with leprosy because their skin was um, disintegrating, essentially. Um, and, and leprosy would start unknowingly, and we're going to talk a little bit about this and the symbolism that leprosy always held in the Bible in a few minutes. But leprosy would kind of start with like a little bit of a, like a, little bit of a pain in your arm or your shoulder or a little bit of a scratchy something. And once it was established, though, that you had leprosy, you had to leave the community it's interesting, we'll talk about this in a second, but I want to draw attention to this, that, that if you had leprosy, you were banished to another part, you couldn't be with the regular community. But isn't it interesting that at the end of this story, that it says, and Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places. Again, always, the scripture's always, always pointing us back to the fact that Jesus himself bears our punishment. He, he always does. Okay, that was not in the right place. Uh, I want us to watch this clip of Jesus cleansing the leper no, now, now, though, and I want you to watch it understanding, understanding that A, Jesus has never healed a leper until this point. B, I want you to understand it with the idea of how the disciples would have felt about this, how they would have, how they would have responded. And um, let's just see what the Lord says to us. Let's watch the clip. What a beautiful picture of Jesus' ability to heal. But in fact, this story is not a story about healing. In a couple of weeks, if you weren't at our Revive Night um, last Wednesday night, we had just an amazing time of God meeting us. And our next one in October, we're going to talk a little bit about healing and God's ability to heal us. And I would encourage you to come to that the first Wednesday of October. But this story, although the leper is healed... It's actually not about healing. The leopard doesn't ask Jesus, can you heal me? He, in fact, makes a distinction and says, can you cleanse me? What's that about? Well, this harkens us right back to the book of Leviticus, everybody. <laughs> if you thought we were done with Leviticus, no, we are not. I was so excited this week typing out my slides because I was like, yes, we get to have a slide about Leviticus again. Uh, but in fact, it just reiterates the fact that you can't understand the Gospels. You don't, I mean, you can understand them, but you get a deeper understanding when we actually lean into the Old Testament. You see, the leper understood that what he need all the time in the Old Testament, when you had a skin disease like leprosy, you needed to be cleansed from that. Um, and um, in many ways, scripturally, Leprosy was always used as symbolic of our sin. And you're not healed of sin. Like nobody says, you know, you know what? I need to be healed of cheating on my taxes. Or I need to be healed of being 
the word, like, no, you don't use that kind of language, right? Like, if somebody came up to you and said, like, I need to be healed from being a jerk to my spouse, you would look at them and say, no, no, you need to be cleansed of being the worst. Uh, we, we never need to be, we need to be healed our hearts, yes. But in fact, when we talk about sin, sin is what needs to be cleansed. And leprosy was used as um, a synonymous symbol of the sin in our lives. And you can see this all throughout the Old Testament. We don't have time to go through all the, um, all the examples of it. I would encourage you, if you want to this week, you could do a little study. Just go to the concordance and type in leprosy, and you can see all the neat. Um, but, but suffice to say that leprosy, God used leprosy to remind us of our sin. And um, if we think about it, all the sin in our life starts off as something small, yes? No, nobody who ends up on a killing rampage, like, got up one morning and was a lovely, lovely person and then just said, you know what, forget this. I'm living a life of crime. Uh, what, what happens to all of us with sin is it starts off something very small. It's so small that almost it becomes, it's almost imperceptible just like a little white lie or just a little, a little tiny little thing. But then it grows. And you see, leprosy is not really a skin disease. It's, doctors will tell you that it's more a neurological disease. Because in fact, what happens to you when you get leprosy is you become numb to pain. So this is why oftentimes people with leprosy, they have burns on their body because they can't sense pain. By the way, pain is God's gift to us. When we know pain, if you've known pain before, it's because it's to wake us up to say not everything is right in the world. But sin, what, what happens to us with sin is we start off with a little bit and then we become numb to it. And essentially, eventually with leprosy, that numbness leads to death after a long period of time. James 1, 14 and 15 says, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when full grown gives birth to death. When God talks about sin in the Bible, when Jesus talks about sin, he is not coming after us because he wants to like wreck our lives. He doesn't want us to grow numb. He doesn't want us to, to eventually die. Listen, some of us, um, when, when we talk about sin, we talk about anything that um, keeps us from the person of God, anything that, that God, anything that he says, hey, listen, don't touch, don't do this. It's not because he's just like against parties. <laughs> it's because he wants you to live in his abundant life. And so he gives us guidelines to live by. When Jesus says to this leper, though, here, in the book of Luke, one thing I want you to do, go to the temple and be cleansed. Have you ever wondered when you read things like this, like, why did Jesus care about that? I've, I've wondered that. Like, what was he, why did he tell the guy to go to the temple? He was just cleansed. He's Jesus. He's God. What does it, what does it matter? Are any of you not detail people? Like, I'm not really a detail person. I'm more like a big picture person. If you've really known me in any capacity, you know that this is true. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm telling you that to tell you that I miss details, okay? So just thinking about the big picture all the time. Um, 
But Jesus, we, when we come to the Bible, we actually have to read the details. You can't just go, oh, Jesus, he was just like really into rituals. He was more of a liturgical Christian. He like, no, he, he was asking for the details for a reason. When you're reading your Bible, what you must ask your, learn to ask yourself questions. Why did Jesus get this guy to go to the temple? Couldn't he have just said, I'm God, you're healed, see you later? Yes? That would have been acceptable. What the heck did he need the priest for? What was the priest going to do? Just go, yeah, you're clean. What Jesus is doing in this, in this section is he is reminding us, he is reminding us of Leviticus chapter 14. I'm not the only one that loves Leviticus. Jesus loved it too. And he's reminding the reader here, hey, 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 I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention. When the leper says to him, can you cleanse me? Are you willing to cleanse me? And Jesus says, I am. This is a reminder to us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, that he is the only one that can cleanse us. Okay, let's read Leviticus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, these are the regulations for any diseased person at the time of their ceremonial cleansing when they are brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine them. Okay, so this is what he's reminding this leper of. If they have been healed of their defiling skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the person to be cleansed. Now, I know. Let's go back to our Leviticus series. This is where we all go to sleep when we're reading. Two birds, some hyssop, cedar. What is going on? I just, I'm going to speed read. Okay, but I want you to see the symbolism here. Then the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird and dip it together with the cedar wood and scarlet yarn and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. Seven times he shall sprinkle the one to be cleansed of the defiling disease and then pronounce them clean. After that, he is to release the live bird into the open fields. Do you see what Jesus is showing this guy here? It's... it's Listen, this is how you know I'm, I, I am your pastor who is a Bible nerd. This is so exciting to me. Because what Jesus is saying to this guy is, I am not only a person who can heal you, I am the only person that can cleanse you. And forever when we read that scripture, when he says, go and do the thing that Moses has called you to do, he's reminding them that I will be the one that dies for your sin. I will be the one whose blood will cleanse you. And you might feel numb right now, but I can actually heal you. This is the beauty of the Bible. This is what I, I, I say to, my, to our staff every week. Listen, if you don't remember anything about me, you might not remember my terrible jokes, and you, you de please don't remember them. And you might not remember this, but I, I pray that you would remember that I loved God's word. Because God's word is the only thing, listen to me, God's word's the only thing that's going to change your life. Because Jesus said that he is the word. And so when he says in Luke chapter 8 here, go and cleanse yourself at the temple. He's not just saying that. He's saying all of that underneath it. Leviticus chapter 14. Jesus is the bird who is killed. And we are the bird who is a mess, who needs to be dipped. It, it, you are the one who needs to be cleansed. I am the one who needs to be cleansed. And there are some of you here today, listen, 
I, you know, I've heard lots of people say, well, I don't, I don't really want, like when I talk to my colleagues, we don't really want to preach about sin anymore. It's not very like stylish in our society anymore. But the truth is I kind of think that's silly because all of us know when we've messed up. There is no, I've never met anybody on earth who is like, you know what? I don't want you to just preach about sin because I don't need that. I'm perfect. Everybody knows that. I don't have to go through the list of things you got problems with. You got problems. You're a person. But what's amazing about this scripture is that the, the, the leprous person says, are you willing to cleanse me? And Jesus repeats back, I am willing. Some of us have chosen to live in our sinful, leprous state. In, and we know it because we're not, things that used to bother you, you're now numb to. You're actually so far down the road that you've like, you've almost given up. And I want you to know that the same thing that Jesus said to the leper is the same thing that he says to you today. I am willing to cleanse you. I'm the only one who can cleanse you. And some of us today, listen, you feel trapped in your sin. You feel like you cannot, you cannot get out of the cycle. Like it's like you do, the, you're like Paul. You do the things you don't want to do and things you want to do you can't do. This Jesus, who we just saw depicted on the screen, is here for you today. He is willing. He is the same God who is willing then. He's the same God who is willing now. And he doesn't come to us with condemnation. Instead, he comes to us with grace. And he knows you're a wreck. He knows there's no, there's no point in trying to pretend you're not a wreck. He knows you're a wreck. He can see your sores, your open wounds. He can see the way that your limbs, so to speak, have been gnarled by the weight of all of it. And he says he is willing. Okay, the other thing we learned from this is that Jesus loved the outcast, and so should we. I mean, I don't know how I would have felt if I was a disciple. So you've got Jesus, who you believe to be the Messiah for the whole world, and all of a sudden a leper comes out of nowhere. Like it, I like how they depicted it in here. He like basically jumped out of the bushes. And, and the disciples, I think it was John there, had like, and this is a little bit imaginative, but you can imagine they've got a knife ready, like... We're going to knife you if you come, which kind of would have defeated the purpose. But anyways, you would have had to get more than six feet to him, but unless he was an axe thrower. Um, you can understand it, though. You could justify it because Jesus, Savior of the world, he's got big jobs to do. He can't afford to get leprosy and then, like, everything be taken off course. It was not like in that day uh, nobody touched Lepers. In fact, the laws had it that you yourself, even if you weren't leprous and you like were a compassionate person, you weren't allowed to touch them. Now, this is understandable because, like, if your compassion led to you bringing leprosy back into your home, and then you know you gave it to a whole bunch of people, it creates chaos in the system. Uh, but Jesus, he decided that um, he was showing us how we were to teach and treat people who were untouchable. This is a, this story in and of itself has all these layers of who Jesus is and who we're supposed to be like. Jesus, the scripture here in the Greek tells us not, like Jesus could have said from afar, hey, 
I'm going to heal you from six feet away because I can't. And that kind of would have been cool because he can do anything. But the scripture is very clear. The Greek word is actually that he clung onto the leprous person. He draped his body over him. And I love how they depicted it here. He wasn't afraid. He actually leaned in to them. You know, uh, it was historic that you didn't. There's um, historic writings. A rabbi wrote about, like, and he's writing with a braggadocious tone that he actually threw rocks at lepers to keep them away. Like, I am more righteous because I stoned some people with leprosy. As a church, we, we are endeavoring to be the kind of place that models the way Jesus acted, that doesn't say to leprous people, like, we don't have, clearly, in North America, maybe 100 people are diagnosed with leprosy every year, so we don't have a, a huge problem with this. But we do have lepers of our day. And oftentimes when you look at the news, it would seem as though Christians are the people that are throwing rocks. It would seem as though we are the... Now, whether that's true or not remains to be seen. But what, what we want to be known for is to become people who embrace people who are on the outskirts, embrace people who we are uncomfortable with, and this is um, easy in, this is very easy in theory. <laughs> like, as in theory, it's really easy to say, yes, as a Christian, I'm going to embrace those people who are, it's, it's harder when it means embracing people means you have to have them close to your children. Or when it means you might, it might impact your schedule or like all your T's that are crossed and all your I's that are dotted. So uh, Pastor Becky came up and told you about how we're going to help people that are evacuated. And in some ways, I think, you know, none of us have probably been like, oh, all those evacuees really bugging me right now. None of us have been that way. Uh, but, you know, it's nice in theory until Pastor Becky is accosting you as you leave this morning. She tried to come down from the balcony and just leave out the door. Uh, and she's saying, hey, I need, I need your help because it, it, it infringes on your time. It infringes on your... In a couple of months, or not even in a couple of months, uh, last year, we, for the first time ever, we ran a warming center. And um, this year, the city came back to us and said, hey, it was so amazing. We want you to start it a month early. Great. We thought maybe we would have, like, if we got 10 people or 5 people in a day, great. But, you know, towards the end of the warming center, there were many days we had 75 people in the foyer of the church. Now, that was good. That sounds good on paper till you came in here on a Tuesday afternoon and smelled what it smelled like. And somebody asking you to embrace people like that. It's nice till it's hard. And what this shows us about Jesus in this thing is that he was willing to do the hard, not just talk about it. What's amazing is that Jesus came from this time of, of life where, like, uh, the Greeks, where they were, they were like the talkers of the day, philosophers of the day. They could philosophize anything. And um, he could have just easily taught, like many of the Stoics of his day, stood up and said, hey, here are all the 20 things you do. But Jesus didn't act like that, though. He didn't just talk about it. He did it. And in fact, by doing it, he showed us how to live it. 
And part of the way that we go about doing that is just by living it. As a church, we want to be a church that is, you know, there's discomfort. <laughs> if you still go into the bathrooms, you can still see the remnants of our first warming center. You see, and we have wonderful people. Joan and I would just thank you for fixing the bathrooms. Thank you for, Michael, thank you for giving us new toilets. We're so grateful for that. Hey, but these are things that, like, cost us something. And we were talking about it this year, like, well, like, what do we do? Do we just not let people go to the bathroom this year? Because we don't want to have to, like, redo the toilets again because then we don't want to have to get up to the church and say, hey. And we just decided as a staff, no, always loving costs us something. I mean, I'm praying it's not the toilets every year, but I think we got powerful toilets. So, yes, Michael, we got powerful ones. So it does cost us something, though. Listen, if your Christianity is not costing you something, I want you to look at the Gospels and read them and ask what kind of Christianity it is you're, you're living out. The Gospel of Jesus will cost us our comfort. The Gospel of Jesus will cause us to have to look at ourselves, evaluate ourselves. The Gospel of Jesus and the grace of Jesus is free but it is not cheap. It's easy to say yes to Jesus. Easy. That's not, I mean, who wouldn't want to say yes to somebody who's going to take your sins and take them as far as the east is from the west? What becomes more difficult is to actually live the sayings of Jesus, to actually say, Jesus, you've transformed my life. You've given me everything. I'm willing to give you everything. I just think, like, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be, you know, to be a Christian, by the way, the actual word means to be a little Christ, which people always get nervous about when I say because they're like, are you going into New Age teaching now? Not, that's actually what it means, that we would be like Jesus, little Christ. So here's my question for you. When was the last time you hugged a leper? Not literally. When was the last time you asked God to cleanse you? Maybe you're here and you've been coming to church for some time and you've never said, Jesus, like, I'm a mess and I need you. Jesus is willing today to heal you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Okay, so let me just get practical for a little bit. Here's a way that you can uh, learn. We're all learning the ways of Jesus. We're all just learning the ways of Jesus. So one of the ways that you can learn the ways of Jesus is to lean in to the lepers in our society. Listen, people who are addicted to drugs, we have been told this, well, if they hadn't made those bad decisions, it would have been a lot better life for them. Yes, don't, don't shake your head yes, just have a straight face right now. <laughs> We're taught that, though, in our society. So, in fact, like, I, I don't care if people are, that's not, that's not my problem. I, you didn't see me doing crack. Now they're doing crack. That's their problem. But in fact, that is not a Jesus response to people's pain. The Jesus response is, yes, 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 you might have made bad decisions, but yes, I embrace you. I embrace you. What if, what if we actually embraced people? And now, this doesn't just, okay, so it's easy. We happen to be able to help people who are homeless, and that's Okay, it's easy to, to make people experiencing homelessness the target. Like, I, I'll give a sample, but 
you got all kinds of other, we got all kinds of other people that would be leprous, so to speak, in our society. Sort of whatever your soapbox is, the thing that makes you super mad. I don't know what it is. When it comes on the news, though, you know what it is. You're mad about X, Y, or Z. Maybe that's the person that you need to learn to embrace this year. You drape your arms around them, maybe not literally, but figuratively. Wouldn't it be amazing if Journey Church, we were known in the community? And I don't even know if I agree with those people. They certainly know how to love people. They certainly know how to lean into people. Today I was driving to church. This is the reality of being a person. In the, uh, I just got, I, have you ever had one of those mornings where you just get up on the wrong side of the bed? Apparently I got up on the wrong side of the bed today, everyone. And, uh, you know, the kids were taking a long time to get up and everyone was doing the wrong thing to me. <laughs> I, I was so mad. I said to Dave, I just need to drive to church by myself. I need to pray because I'm about to preach today, God. And then I had a stowaway in the car with me. One of my children hid in the back of the car, and there she was. <laughs> and my kids' alarms are, and I think I left the house going, I'm so mad. I think that's the last thing I said as I, praise God, here we are. I'm driving to church in like, you know that tepid silence you have in the car where your children are worried about breathing? Like, <laughs> perhaps I shouldn't sneeze right now. So I have this um, moment where I'm like, God, I am, I am trying to speak about people who are far from you right now. I want to love people who I don't even want to love. And the little eyes come up in the back seat. You can see them in here. And I realized it's easy to, um, it is very, very easy to philosophize this. So sure, I'm going to invite you, um, by the way, you, you can sign up for the Warming Center. We're looking to have all of our volunteer spots filled before the Warming Center even opens on November 1st. So we want you to look in your calendar and look about, you can, our hours are going to be shortened a little bit this year from 9 to 4, when, Monday to Friday. You can donate boots and mittens because we never have enough. You can make muffins. Moms and dads, you can make muffins with your kids and bring them. We can do all this, and we should do all this. But I was also remembered, reminded, that the way of Jesus has to happen in my life even when I get up on the wrong side of the bed, even when nothing seems to be going right. This, this is what it means to live by the Spirit, yes? And I, I was praying on the way here, God, I need your cleansing. I need your cleansing. I can't, I can't do this on my own. This is a mantra we all, I can't do it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to breathe on me. You need the Holy Spirit to breathe on you. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into your marriage. You've been up against it and you, you, you actually are numb now to it not working. And it is like the sin condition. It is a sin condition. God says, I want to breathe new life on you. Some of you have given up, even in your, even in your quiet time with God. Like, you think, I just, God never speaks to me. I never hear him. And you've given up. You're, you're at the numb stage. I want to pray that God is going to, are you willing, God, to breathe new life on me? And Jesus says, yes, I am. 
And as he breathes new life on us, then we can breathe on other people, even when we don't feel like it, even when it feels like nothing is going right. Jesus is still on the throne. He's still working. He's still moving. Can we just stand to our feet all across the place today? I believe some of us need to make a decision for Jesus today, maybe for the very first time. You're here and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never said yes to his ways. You've never said yes to him impacting your life. Today, I want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus. He comes to you today when you say, are you willing? He says, yes, I am. Yes, I am. The Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not, not a year from now when you have it all intellectually figured out. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say yes. And I want to encourage you wherever you are right now, if you've never said yes to Jesus, that today would be the day that you'd say yes. Yes, Jesus. I need you. Others of us are here and um, maybe we've said yes to Jesus before. But sanctification, the theological world for God making us better than we were, happens little by little. We just have to keep saying to Jesus, God, I'm unclean. Are you willing? And Jesus is always willing. Some of you have gotten like far away from God in certain parts of your life. Maybe you're even numb. You don't feel anything. Even as I'm speaking, you feel nothing. Today, you need to say yes to Jesus, cleanse me again. Jesus, come and make me new again. Come and renew me, refresh me, like heal me. Some of us just need to pray prayers like that. And we believe in a God. Listen, God does miracles on the outside. He's healed some of your bodies as a testimony to the fact that he can do on the inside what nobody can see. Do you see that? The, the healing in our body is just an outward sign of what God wants to do on the inside of us, which is why we believe in outward healing. It gives us faith to believe, well, if God can heal that person's sciatica, he can certainly heal my broken down heart that's a wreck. The greatest miracle that God can ever do is in your heart. Just close your eyes with me for a second. I mean, there's nothing powerful about closing our eyes except for that it causes us to focus for a minute. I just want you to just, there's a prayer David prayed in the Psalms. He said, search me and try me, God. See if there be any wicked way in my heart. Just in this moment. Some of you need a Leviticus 14 kind of moment where God again cleanses you. You've got things in your life you just need to give over to God. Jesus, I just give you all of, we, we now give you all of our lives, the parts of us that have not yet been changed by you, the parts of us that we have held back from you, the parts of us, God, that we have like just sort of grown numb to, that we've just gotten used to. We pray like your word that says that we're going to go from glory to glory. We pray that you'd be transforming us. You are in the transformation business, God. We know that you can change us. So God, I'm asking from the oldest to the youngest of us today that you would be transforming us, making us more in your image. And then God, I pray that you would help us to follow you, loving the unlovable, loving those that are marginalized, Loving those even when it doesn't feel uh, safe. <laughs> Jesus, we need you in our lives. We need your touch. 
We need your voice. We need your presence. Would you speak to us now? In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing this song, and then Pastor Herman's going to come and give us some instruction. But if you're here, listen, if you're here and you prayed that prayer for the first time, you've never said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to tell somebody about that. We want to walk with you. We want to help you grow stronger in your faith. We have a, a, just some next steps that we'd love to help you, do, help you get to. And if you go to the QR code in front of you and just press that little uh, button, there's a little button there that says next steps. We'd love to get in touch with you. We're praying for you. For all of us, listen. This is a point of church that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. God does something new in our hearts every day and makes us more like his son. Let's sing together. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church. Thank you.